You gotta start hanging with people and start hanging all to them. Come on, tell somebody next to you, I'm gonna hang on to you. Come on, tell somebody else, I'm gonna hang on to you. Notice what it doesn't say when someone is calling to say, look the other way. Doesn't say that either, does it? We're obligated as believers to stand for the truth. We are obligated as the people of God to stand up for what's right. We can't tolerate immorality. But we're also obligated when people fall into sin to gently destroy them in love. A lot of people are aware today that the Christians are just you. You know why they say that? Because Christians are just you. That's why. I'm not talking about calling sin sin. Jesus wasn't afraid to call out sin. He was bold in his confirmation of the truth. And we should be so bold too, but Jesus is also bold in the way he loves sin. I think about the woman called an adultery. He says he called her in the act of adultery and brought her to the younger one how they called her in the act of adultery. I think it's they call her in the act of adultery and they brought her to Jesus. And they said, Jesus, guilty. According to the law, she got to die for her sin. And Jesus said, He who is without sin, that's the first thing. One by one, from the oldest to the youngest, is that the top of your sin. Jesus stood up and he said to that woman, John E. Kim, he said to her, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No one, she said, and Jesus said, Neither do I. No, said no more. You see, Jesus offered her forgiveness and then he said, Don't keep on sinning. Notice, though, that he offered her mercy first. You see that? He said, I don't forgive you. Then he said, I don't Hello. He offered her mercy first, don't hang him. Pharisees won't hang him. Jesus said, I'm going to mercy. The Lord's going to get in trouble. When people fall into sin and they make mistakes, instead of helping them back up, so many times we make it simple to them. Trash talking and gossip about them, talk down about them, tell everybody what they do. Some of you, the best thing you can do to change your life is step out of life. That's the word from the Lord. Somebody step out now. Somebody step out now. Amen. That's in the book of Second Timothy. You can that one. When people make mistakes, fall too often, you put them while they're down. People say that the only adult is the only army that kills is you. See, that happens too many times. Here's the thing that we as Christians ought to understand. Most of the time, the world is not judging us by how we treat unbelievers. They judge us by how we treat each other. John 13, 34, you command I give to you love one another. Somebody love one another. Jesus said, if I love you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Yes, you love one another. I think anyone who knows the Bible understands that not everyone who says they're a Christian is really a Christian. So how do you know the real from the fake? We all think it from the inauthentic. Jesus said it right here. No 
you're my disciple because you love one another. Look, you say that you're a Christian, but if all you do, all you do is talk bad about other pastors and run other churches down and gossip and talk bad about other Christians and go around living their reputation, honey, think about Baby, take me. There's room at the cost for you. Because I don't know that you ever went there the first time. Because you know that the time of Jesus is not a law of the devil. Somebody needs to watch this to teach you. You tell people Jesus is Lord of my life, but if you don't love, he's not Lord. Let me tell you what, Jesus said in Matthew 12, 30, He who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather, scatters the world. If you are not the good people, you're not working with Jesus, you're working against him. Matthew 12, 35, And Jesus did that cross and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. I want you to know this morning. We go around talking bad about other believers. We go around pointing out other people. But thankfully, some people just because they messed up, we are not carefully the kingdom of God that can be done. If you want to go around criticizing what the Spirit of God is doing in places like Asbury and other universities and college campuses, this is the world. Shut up. Shut down now. Talk to how they turn out stand. You stop calling them the vision that you don't understand and you see them. Who knows? That's why we still think you're smart. Galatians 16 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do this to all, especially those who are of the household of the faith. Hallelujah. One of my best friends in the world, my parent partner, is Mark Randall, and Danny in East Africa. We call every week and talk and pray, and sometimes three, four times a week. And one of the beautiful things about Africa is that often the church is heavily persecuted, and therefore it's the United Church. They don't care, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Assembly of God, Church of God, Pentecost. It doesn't matter. They all put time in prison together and they fellowship with each other no matter what. That kingdom, house divided cannot stand. But a house united, man, there's nothing we can't do if we're united. Amen? Let us be good to all, especially those who are the household of faith. we got to stop hanging people, start hanging on to them, so we need each other. Come on, tell somebody else, I'm going to hang on to you. Come on, tell them, you better hang on to me. All right, let me expose the plan of the enemy today. Let me tell you the number one reason we kill our wounded. This is the number one cause of church on church This is it. We turn our backs on open struggle because we're in security. The enemy is using our insecurity because insecure people are always looking for somebody else more messed up than they are. The worse they mess up, the better you feel about this person. You will see. Let me do a little illustration. This one, I'll ask Eric and Alan if you guys will come with 
We're going to go to that illustration today and talk about how we compare ourselves to, to other people. So, so me and Eric and Alan, we're, we're up together and we're on break and we got some snacks. Eric's got his snack bag and I got my snack bag and Alan's got his snack bag. And, uh, welcome on, let's have a seat down front here. All right, brother, what you got in your, what you got in your snack bag? Who gives an apple? Who gives an apple? Who gives an apple? Now I'm so bad because I'm going to have a kid. I mean, I knew when I put this in my left bag that I was going to go to the field. But they just looked at me. Not so terrible, but he didn't make me look bad. He didn't have to look bad. He didn't have to look bad. He didn't have to look bad. He didn't have Yes, yes, I got some devil creams. Devil creams? Lord was not pleased with that. I got some zebra cakes. Everybody's favorite, some Oreos. Got some chocolate syrup. Now, what is the chocolate syrup for? Well, we can put it on these zebra cakes. <laughs> There's more? For dessert, I have Twizzlers. Oh, holy moly! Swiss rolls. Well, 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 now I don't feel so bad about my bag of potato chips. <laughs> so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ignore my brother Eric, and I'm going to sit at the table and snack time. You know why? Because we so much more than I am. <laughs> well, I do have to think about what he's eating. I'll let you bag the bag of potato chips up, and I'll kill it in about 10 seconds. But isn't that how we are? Instead of looking to Jesus, our example, to convict us of our own sin and failure, instead of looking to Him to see how we ought to be living, no, 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 we're going to go on the gospel train and we're going to look at everybody who's more messed up than us. And if we, if they're so much worse off than we are, we don't feel so bad about our own fault. Y'all remember that? Then we'll think again. I know, I feel it, 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 I
this is just psychological question, okay? Whenever you look at a group photo, what's the first thing you look for? Anybody? Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know Me, myself, and I. And you know what? If you don't look good, the whole person will, right? So you need a terrible, terrible, terrible picture. Terrible, terrible, terrible picture. We, more often than not, rather than seeking to see a living God worship the unholy Trinity of me, myself, and I. You know what insecurity is? Truly, is selfishness in disguise. In fact, I would say it's the most extreme form of selfishness because it's an obsession with oneself. And this is how insecurity works in your life. The more you look at yourself, the more you think about yourself, the more you focus on yourself, the more insecure you will become. It becomes we're so focused on ourselves because the most predominant type of photography in the world is itself. Insecurity is not a guarantee. You know, insecurity destroys everything that's happening. That's why there's nothing more dangerous than an insecure person. That's why the Bible says we have to die to ourselves so that Christ can love in us. I've seen insecure people do unthinkable things just to try and feel better about themselves. So how do we deal with insecurity? I'll tell you, we need to get rid of the me mindset and pick up a mercy mindset. We gotta get rid of the me mindset and about a mercy mindset. I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy. Notice he doesn't say the cause of God's mercy. There's a difference. The Bible says in view of God's mercy. In other words, you're constantly looking for the mercy of God. You're not looking at yourself. You're looking at God's mercy. That means mercy should be your focus. Everything we do should be done in view of God's mercy. I love Micah 6 8. Micah is one of the first Bible verses I, I ever learned. My father told me, Micah 6 8, He will show you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? What does it mean to love mercy? It means I never forget what God did for me. I never forget where He brought me from. I never forget the mighty things that He brought me up out of. I never forget where He found me when He saved me. Mercy is your purpose. Every day you are be thanking God for His mercy in your life. And when you keep your eyes on God's mercy, when you remember your testimony, when you remember the goodness and the faithfulness and the kindness of God in your life, not only will mercy be your focus, but mercy will become your filter. Because if God in His mercy did that for me, I know that God can do that for the people around me in my life. When mercy becomes your filter, it's how you view people in your life. You look at them through the lens of mercy. If God did this in my life, God can do great things in your life. When people fall, we don't have the me mentality that says, ha ha, they messed up. When people fall, we have the mercy mindset that says, God restored me and he can restore you too. Let me pray with you. Let me encourage you. Let me help you as you get back up and keep walking with Jesus. 
God loves to pour out His mercy on people. Lamentations 3, 22 says this, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions, they fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. God's compassions are made new every morning. Every day when you wake up, you ought to lift up your hands and say, God, I thank you for your mercy and your compassion that you have renewed on my life today. They are made new every morning. God renewed His love and His compassion and His covenant for you when you woke up today. Psalm 100, verse 5 says, The Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting. Think about a story that I heard of a guy named Dutch Seek. Anybody know Dutch Seek? He's a little sister, and he has a group of prayer uh, warriors that gather with him, and they went up to D.C. Uh, and they were praying outside of the White House. And while they were praying, and they were praying for our nation, they saw a man in a suit with a hat and an overcoat. They couldn't really see his face, but he walked out from the crowd, and, and that's so he, he, he was kind of praying with all our thoughts. He was watching this guy because he was making a beeline straight for them. And he got closer and closer and closer, and the man said, Mercy, mercy. Mercy, mercy, mercy. And the man comes to him and he says, Mercy the sixth time. While they were interceding for the nation, God sent an angel to them to speak the word mercy six times. You know, six in the Bible is the number of man. God wants nothing more than to pour out his mercy on the people in this nation. Because God loves mercy. And if God loves mercy, we should love mercy too. God's mercy is everlasting. Listen, mercy matters. Probably more than you realize. James 2.13 says it's because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Judgment without mercy to those who are not merciful. But here's the good news. Mercy triumphs over judgment. If we will be people of mercy, the mercy of God will triumph over any judgment that was, that was issued against us. God is good, but God is a just God, and He won't give mercy to those who don't show mercy. Come on, tell somebody mercy matters. Aren't you glad mercy triumphs over judgment? Matthew 5, 7, Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. A few years ago, I went with Rick, Rick Lachlan into the prisons. I had the privilege of going with him to, to, to a uh, worship service in the prison. And I had a couple of revelations. My first revelation was, Oh, sweet Jesus, there's no guards in the chapel. We were walking by faith, brother. But the second great revelation I had was, man, these are incredible brothers in Christ. And it's an incredible atmosphere of worship and praise. I'm worshiping with my fellow brothers. And, and, and the Holy Spirit just reminded me in that moment, the only difference between us and them is they got caught. Because if we were judged by everything we've ever said or done or thought, we all ought to be locked up. Come on. The mercy mindset never forgets that we are nothing without the grace 
of God. If I've learned anything in ministry, I've learned this. People will fail you. I say amen to myself. Amen. Godly people will make mistakes. People will fall into sin. People will disappoint you. But this is what else I've learned. When people fall, they need somebody to help them get back up again. When you have a mercy mindset, you immediately come alongside them and help them back up. And you know what? Not everybody's going to want help. But you know what we do? We offer it anyway. Somebody asked R.W. Shambach years ago, what if you had 100 people in line and you prayed for 99 people and nobody got healed? I said, he said, I, I'll say you send me number 100. God's going to do something special for them. In other words, you don't stop trying. You don't stop give, giving people chances because how many chances did God give you? We offer mercy and compassion because if the people of God don't do it, who will? Not this world. You see, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Every one of us, every child of God is a minister of reconciliation in the world. Second Corinthians 5.19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Boy, that'll preach. Thank God for his mercy for us and for the people around us. And he is committed to us. The message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Did you know that? Well, that's a big responsibility. Your job is to be an ambassador of Christ in this world. That's the highest status of a diplomat as ambassador. God has put us to represent Jesus on the earth as though we were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. How do we change? We start by choosing to be people of mercy. Let's decide in advance not to hang people, but hang on to them. Will you stand this morning as we pray? Lord, we just thank you, Father, that you are a merciful God. Lord, we just thank you that you are sovereign. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for your goodness, Lord. And Lord, we just pray right now, Father, Lord, that you show us the things that we need to take or areas that we have been merciful in, Lord, to other people, Father, where we may have been part of the Father. Lord, show us, Father, areas that we need to change, Lord, so that we aren't judging them, Lord, but that we have mercy when someone falls, that we reach down and help lift them up, Father. Lord, that we wrap our arms around those that need it, Father. Lord, we just thank you right now for the mercy that you show on us. God, we just thank you, Father, for the forgiveness that you give us and for the salvation, Father. Lord, we just thank you, Father, Lord, for just all the things that you do in our lives, Lord, when we haven't deserved it. Lord, may we repay others, Father, with that same mercy, God. Give us eyes to see, Lord. Give us false hearts. Where bitterness may have set in, Father, from hurt. God, I thank you for hearts that are soft and right now, Lord. God, I thank you, Father, for healing from the past this morning. Where we may have 
removing a religious spirit where man-made laws have been put into place and rules. That this morning, Father, that we see things as the Bible says them, not as man says them, Father. And Lord, that you're setting free some people from that religious spirit, from a judgmental spirit. God, where some of us have fallen short with gossip, God, that our tongue becomes tamed. And Lord, that instead of talking about people, Father, that we pray for people. God, that we lift our brothers and sisters up, Father, no matter what they're going through, Lord. God, that we lift churches up, that we lift people up, Father. Lord, that you use us to bring restoration to people. God, use us to be the vessels, Father, that pour into people that need healing. God, that you use us to speak the kind words that need to be spoken instead of harshness. And God, I thank you that we become more gentle, Father. God, that as Christians, that we show your gentleness, Father. That we exhibit the fruits of the Spirit, Father, all of them, not just a few. But God, that we use self-control in all of them, Lord. And Lord, we thank you and we give you praise and we give you glory. And we thank you, Father, that we are people of mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, this morning, some of us need mercy. All of us need mercy. But some of us have never felt that mercy that God shows us, that, that everlasting love, that you can't do anything to keep me from loving you. And this morning, if you say, I've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life, or maybe you have, and you've just fallen away. You've gotten involved in things. You've been pulled into the world. This morning is, is your opportunity to have eternal life and to be promised that. So if you will, if everybody will say this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe in you. Save me. Set me free. Be the Lord of my life. And with your help, I'm going to live for you forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we just give God some praise for his mercy, for his sovereignty, for his goodness, for just the hand that he's 